Father God, we do thank you once again tonight for the mighty name of Jesus, for the precious blood that he gave for us in sanctification and honor to bestow upon us the very nature, being born again, being born of God, that new nature that's free from sin and free from our past. And tonight, Father, we thank you for once again giving us utterance and clarity of understanding, opening up the eyes of our understanding that we can receive your precious word, and Lord God, grow thereby in the faith life. And we thank you for that in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, as we begin tonight, I want you to open up in your Bibles to First Peter chapter 5. First Peter chapter 5. And we left off here last week toward the end with this particular passage here. And we're looking once again and once, if you haven't uh, been with us, you can get caught up by going to our website and see it in the previous messages. But we're right now here in the uh, middle of a series on the power of saying, the power of saying, and how important our words are, and how that our words release positive or negative authority into our sphere of life. Now, here in first. Peter 5, and turn there with me if you would, please. We want to look again here at what the Apostle Peter said to believers, which is meaning us. And I want to start again in verse 8 and begin reading. And it says here, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, thank God for God's grace, amen, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, the word perfect means complete, establish strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Well, as we're looking here, particularly at the power of saying, and that is tied directly to walking in faith, speaking in faith, living by faith. Uh, I think of something here that uh, Dad Hagen said years ago. I remember him saying it on a number of occasions, and some of you might also hear. But in that verse there, in verse 10, it talks about at the end, they're settling you. And what he said was, was, do you know why I'm so settled? Now, mind you, this is after years and years, decades and decades of being in the ministry and being faithful to the call of God, teaching people faith, but also living by faith, true Bible faith, as the Word of God declares that we should. But he said, do you know why I'm so settled? He asked that question to a group and he answered it with the following. He said, because I've suffered a lot. Because I've suffered a lot. Now, let me qualify what he was talking about. He wasn't talking about suffering from sickness or disease or poverty. He was talking about particularly suffering hardship in the flesh. When your flesh wants to do something, 
but you know that that isn't faith by following your flesh. And that's, that's, you look back at someone like that who knew faith was raised up from the deathbed there at age 17. He knew what he was talking about. And one of the things that it does when you've gone through things is that not because God wants that to happen, but in the midst of that, because we have a real devil here that we have to deal with in this world, albeit he's a defeated foe, but as you walk in the life of faith, the Bible tells us there in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 7, for we walk by faith and not by sight. And if there ever was a need and time that believers need to know how to walk by faith and not by sight, it's right now. That doesn't mean that people in previous generations and centuries didn't need to know because they did. In fact, we have a whole chapter, what many people call the heroes of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, that tells us about all the men and women that did great exploits by faith, by trusting God. So back to Brother Hagin for a moment. So he said, the reason that I'm so established, the reason I'm so established and so steady is because I've suffered a lot. He's suffered pushing through difficult times and difficult places when he knew God's word was true, when he was believing what God said, obeying what the Lord told him to do, and uh, speaking the word of God, and when certain things in the natural didn't seemingly line up immediately or very quickly, he didn't cast away his confidence in the Lord. And many times young believers have that tendency to do that because they don't have enough depth. It's like the parable of the sower who sowed the seed. They don't know that that if, if there's no deepness of earth, as the Lord Jesus talked about there, that uh, it, it, it's like a seed falling on hard pan with no root system. A root stabilizes either that plant or tree, and it allows a it allows itself to be stable with harsh weather conditions. Wind can blow hard and it won't be uprooted. You see trees, uh, you know, here and there uh, after a storm, a strong thunderstorm or even a tornado. And you see certain trees and vegetation standing and others that uh, fall right over. And the reason for that many times is, is because the root system was not well established. And you can see that with this different uh, varieties of trees. And sometimes the whole root ball comes up and th there's nothing else there, but maybe a foot or two underneath. It's like you got this great big tree. Well, you see the, the crisis of life comes to everybody. Sooner or later, you're going to have to put feet to your faith and stand against opposition and stand against the harassing uh, thoughts of the devil, and you're going to have to put him to flight by speaking the word of God to him. So that's not abnormal. It's very normal. Smith Wigglesworth said, great faith comes out of great tests. Great victories come out of great battles. So no high school or college or pro football team or basketball team ever won the championships unless they went through some tough battles because when you get down in the playoffs, most of the time, now once in a while you'll have a blowout and there was just kind of a, uh, a different type of game. But by and large, you get up there and face those number one contenders uh, and they're vying for that top spot. 
that uh, you have a tussle going on. And that's how it is when the devil's trying to stop you in your in the plan of God for your life, whether it's healing for your physical body or the will of God coming to pass or prayers that you prayed that you haven't seen fully materialized yet or something you're standing on the word of God, speaking the word of God over. And it just seems like uh, one thing after another where things are not changing. Well, that don't think that that's abnormal at all. And after you've seen God bring you out victoriously over the process of time, because you don't learn those things overnight in the faith life, you, you, if you walk with God very long, uh, the devil will make sure to it. He'll see to it that you uh, have some tests brought your way in one, one way or, or, or another, because after all, he's still the God of this world. And although he's a defeated foe from a legal position, he, he has a right to be here. Even as we just read there in verse seven or at verse eight, excuse me, where he talks about be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Well, that's New Testament. That's New Testament. That isn't Old Testament. That isn't something that happened before the Lord Jesus went to Calvary. This is something post-resurrection. But that does not mean that our victory is not sure if we'll stay steady and be settled about what we believe. Because remember, the devil knows that if he can get permission from you to use your tongue and get things filtered into your heart, that you begin to believe, and then you begin to speak and then act accordingly with corresponding action. If he knows he can do that, then he's using your life to accomplish his will, which he wants to destroy your life. He wants to destroy my life. He doesn't want you to succeed. He doesn't want you to excel in anything. And so that's why when a person gets saved, filled with the Spirit, starts walking with God, that they did a 180. You know, once we were walking hand in hand before we knew the Lord uh, with the devil. But then after we got saved, we, we did an about face and then we're running right into him. You know, so don't think it's, don't think it's strange that you're going to have things come your way. Don't think it's strange that you're abnormal. And this doesn't just happen when you first get saved. This will happen all the all the remaining days you have walking the face of the earth. For as long as the devil's here, he's going to see to it that he tries to mess with your life, mess with your family, mess with your kids, mess with your uh, uh, where you work, uh, your neighbors, your business, whatever it is, he'll try to get in there. But see, if you know, And if I know, if a believer knows what it takes to win, what it takes to overcome. Remember, we go back to our text we've read several different times a few weeks ago in Revelation 12, where it says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, talking about the devil. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, by the word of their testimony, by the word of their testimony, by what they said, what did they testify to? And they love not their lives unto death. So we have to remember that and have that as the very foundation and the backdrop and see everything that's in front of us with the backdrop of Christ's victory. And if we lose sight of that, then if we, if the devil holds us in the arena of reason, because reason is the voice of our mind, 
And I'm talking now about the spirit of faith and walking by faith and talking faith and, 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 and the power of saying, if, if he holds us in the arena of reason, he'll whip us every time. But if we hold him in the arena of faith, we'll whip him every time, every single time. It's a matter of time. And the only way you fail is as a Christian. When you're endeavoring to walk by faith, not by sight, we've all missed it. That goes without saying. What do we do? We pick ourselves up. And uh, like Paul said, he said, I've been knocked down, but I haven't been knocked out. So uh, you're not, you're, you know, Christianity is not, it's not an event coming to Christ. It's a lifestyle that we begin to live. And that's a lifestyle of faith. But if we hold the devil in the arena of faith, we'll whip him every time. Now, I'll explain what I mean by that. In the arena of faith is having God's word in our heart and continuously in the face of apparent contradiction, holding fast, steady when you're under duress, when, you're under, when, you're, when your faith is under siege, when you're under pressure, pressure when it looks like the boat's sinking, when it looks like everything's going down, well, if you'll hold steady, when the doctor's report looks worse and worse, if you'll hold steady in the arena of faith, you'll whip the devil every single time, every single time, because God cannot lie. He will not lie. He's never lied. And it's important for us to realize that in these last days, especially before the Lord Jesus comes, the devil knows his time is short. And he knows that just like what Peter said here in verse 8, in 1 Peter 5, <laughs> it says, you got to be sober. In other words, you got to be clearly, you got to be thinking clear. You got to be thinking right mentally and hold steady in thinking right even when it looks like everything else is not lining up with what you're seeing, with your natural eye, with what you're saying, with your words and the thoughts that are trying to come into your mind. You have to know how to resist the devil. And that's why Peter was saying here, be sober, be vigilant. What does it mean to be vigilant? To be vigilant simply means that you have to stay after it. You have to be stay on your toes. And I know a lot of Christians don't like to hear that because they think that, uh, well, you know, if you talk about the devil, if then you're glorifying him. And yes, that is true if it goes uh, past the realm of what should be. But remember this, the devil doesn't go away just because I act like he's not around. The devil does not go away just because I don't say anything about him. And a lot of times I remember a certain family members went to a, a church several years back now, and they were telling me the story. And they finally left the church, it seemed like a good church and everything, and they went there for a while. But they said, you know, they got to talk, and they said, I've never heard them ever say the devil or talk about our authority over him or his defeat or what Jesus did at Calvary. They act like he's non-existent anymore. Well, you know, if, if you don't hear about it and you're not conscious, you're not aware of it, you'll forget about it. You'll just think, well, and this is why a lot of times, unfortunately, that people slide over into the false belief system that everything is based on the sovereignty of God, that God is sovereign 
And if he wants something to happen, it's going to happen. Okay. And if he doesn't want something to happen, it's not going to happen. Well, the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible does not teach that. And uh, that can cause us a lot of problems in the faith life. So, you know, the fact of the matter is, you know, Paul was a faith preacher. And we can see that throughout the New Testament. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament by uh, the unction of the Holy Spirit. But he was a faith man. But, it, but if you look over in 2 Corinthians, for example, hold your place there. We'll come back to it. But if you look in 2 Corinthians, you'll see that Paul didn't ever deny the fact that he didn't have troubles. Because again, as I said a few moments ago, in the faith life, you're, you're going upstream against a downstream society and world that's controlled and influenced directly by the God of this world. And every person who is not born again is controlled uh, by the God of this world and manipulated by him. Well, as a Christian, he'll try to do the same thing. But Paul, as I said a moment ago, he did have faith, but he didn't deny the fact that he had situations happening in his life that were less than pleasurable from a fleshly standpoint. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we'll go back to 1 Peter in just a moment, but I want you to look here, what it says here in verse 8. It says, right into the church of Corinth, which is true for us today, it says, we are troubled on every side. He didn't just say one side. He said on every side yet not distressed. So the end result was, and that's how it is in the faith life is, yeah, we can be troubled, but that's not the end of the story. Praise God. So he said, we're troubled on every side, but not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Now, he's not talking about sickness and disease here, but he's talking about the flesh and the nature of the flesh and the devil trying to work through our unredeemed flesh because we don't have a glorified body yet. One day we will, praise God, but we don't have it yet. So remember this, Satan's job assignment is the same as what God put on him back in Genesis chapter 3, when he said to the serpent, he said, on your belly shall thou go and dust shall thou eat all the days of thy life. So Satan's job assignment is to eat the dust of the earth. Well, flesh is dust, is it not? Think about it. So that's what he tries to do. Well, we see that cooperates exactly with what the apostle Peter was saying there in first Peter five. But here, look what Paul said here. He said, he answered the facts that were temporal, that were that he was going through in different situations in his life and journey as a Christian, he answered it by not leaving it off by saying, well, yeah, we're troubled on every side. We're perplexed. We're persecuted. Uh, he didn't leave it that way. He answered what was seemingly the truth, temporal truth, with eternal truth, because he had the hope of salvation on the inside of him, which hope you and I have. So as long as we're in this body and we keep our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, then guess what? The Lord's got us covered, praise God. The Lord is on our side. 
The Lord is our helper. And if we'll stay steadfast with him through thick and thin, then we'll come to that same place looking back one day in our life after traveling that road of faith and look back and say, you know, wow, wasn't that something how the Lord, the Lord's always been faithful. He's always been true. He's always been by my side. He's been with me, even as it says in the book of Psalms, uh, chapter 91, it says, I will be with him in trouble. I will be with him in trouble. So he never said we weren't ever going to have tests, trials, or troubles. But no, we are going to have them. We are going to have them. And uh, again, the devil will see to it that you do, especially when you're pressing into the things of God. And know that, that the more you press into the, God, the things of God, the more the devil's going to try to stop you. But you learn how to become acclimated in that type of spiritual climate in your own life. And by acclimation, I mean, you know that when you get up, you know, because you always have it in the back of your heart and it's in the back of your mind uh, that you're sober, you're vigilant, you know you have an opponent. Now, that does not glorify him. We shouldn't be so devil conscious all the time. But in the back, we know that God is a good God and he wants to help us in all of our situations. But again, if if we never don't know that he's around and he exists, And it's just like he's going around causing all these problems and he's never identified as the culprit behind them. Well, then we're not going to use the name of Jesus because we're not going to try to invoke the name of Jesus to stop Jesus or the Father God from doing what we suppose is his will, even though we know it's not his will, right? So that's why we've got authority. We've been given the keys to the kingdom of God. And that's why the Bible says there in Matthew, Jesus said, he said, whatsoever things you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever things you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So in other words, God, heaven's power is going to back up what we say, what we decide when we're informed as believers, what we decide to do about it, that is what he's going to back up. And so the Lord, for all intents and purposes, is has his hands tied behind his back, so to speak, when we don't exercise our authority because there's nothing more that the Lord can do this side of heaven other than what he did 2,000 years ago when he arose from the dead. And thank God he did. But the victory was sure. The victory was complete. But you see here, when Paul's talking about this here in 2 Corinthians 4, he always ends up on the positive side. You may have something going on in your body, and faith's confession creates realities. So what am I doing? When I say something, I've got a broken arm. I've maybe got it in a cast. I don't, but let's just say for a moment I do. And you see me, and you see that cast and say, oh, you know, Pastor Monty, you broke your arm. And, uh, you know, some people unknowingly, Christians say, oh, no, no, that's not broken. You're just seeing things. And you start telling people that, they're going to scratch their head. They're going to go, is that guy all right? (laughs) I think there's something wrong with him. I know I'm not seeing things, right? Well, see, a lot of of people give faith a bad name because they, they, they get into this ideology of, you know, I'm just going to confess certain things and, and, or not confess them. And that's going to be the reality of it. Well, first of all, it has to be on the basis of God's word. But again, back to the broken arm, a true biblical faith confession would be, if I did have a broken arm and it wasn't a cast, would be, yes, 
so-and-so, whoever it would be asking me, yes, my arm is broken, but, see, I follow it up, but according to the Word of God, I believe that I received my healing. See, there's a but in there, B-U-T. And what that does is it ends things up with the confession of faith. You are not, faith does not call those things that are as though they're not. Faith calls those things that are not as though they were. Okay, let me say that one more time. Faith does not call those things that are as though they're not. Faith calls those things that be not as though they were. Okay, and we'll see this in just a moment uh, or, or here soon from Romans 4 from the, once again, the father of our faith. But let's skip down here. Look what it says here in verse 13. You can see this, 2 Corinthians 4. Then we'll go back to 1 Peter 5. It says in verse 13, we having the same spirit of faith. We having the same spirit of faith. Well, this is a direct quote from the book of Psalms about believing and speaking. Okay, he says, we having the same spirit of faith, he, he didn't say we're trying to get it or we're going to have it one day because you're a born again Christian. The spirit of faith lives on the inside of you. That is your real nature. It is your nature. It is my nature. It is any Christian's nature to take God at his word, to believe God, to take him at his word. All right. That's our nature. Now, you may say, well, I've not really ever felt like that was my nature because my flesh is speaking to you. And oh, yes, your flesh has a voice just like mine, just like every other Christian. And it will, again, feed you information. And remember this, your body gives you the feelings, the sensations, and directions from living in this natural world. And faith is a product of the Spirit of God and comes from our spirit by the Spirit of God, and our flesh is, again, not born again yet. So our flesh is fed impulses, desires, because it has the fallen nature yet in it. And thank God one day, again, it's going to be redeemed, and we're going to have a glorified body. But in the here and now, we still have to deal with the flesh every day. You have to deal with it. I do, or at least we should, right? But Paul here, he said, we have the same spirit of faith. So the moment you got born again, faith was seated in your spirit. The nature to believe God was planted on the inside of you. Now, at that point, you don't know that much about God. I don't know that much about God the day we got saved. But we begin to learn from the word of God. And the Bible says that, so then faith cometh by hearing in Romans 10, 17. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we begin to hear the word of God. And what happens? Faith automatically shows up. The book of Psalms chapter 119 says the entrance of his words giveth light. It gives understanding to the simple. There's no effort on the part of man's intellect to get faith. It takes no effort on the man, the part of man's intellect to get faith. When the light comes, faith is there. When the light, the light of God's word comes, faith is automatically there. So 
You start feeding on God's word. You start meditating in the word of God if you need healing. You start feeding on those particular scriptures, and you're going to have the results of what Proverbs chapter 4 talks about. After attending to his word, inclining your ear unto his sayings, keeping them before your eyes in the midst of your heart, for their life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. So health is going to start springing forth in your physical body. You just have to hold fast to it and not give up. The only way you're going to lose is if you get up, give up and you get around naysayers or start letting your tongue go wild and crossways against what God's already said about you. That's why you have to have, when you, when you really get in a tight spot in life, you have to shut everything else out but what God said. You have to learn how to, how to get before the Lord and be quiet and meditate in his word and speak the word of God when all hell's raging all around you. But, but that takes time, but that takes practice. And by practicing, I'm talking about these are precepts that we do and must do as a Christian, and we'll grow in the faith life. We will grow. Your, your faith, my faith, any Christian's faith will begin to grow, and it can come to the point as what Paul said there in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, where he talked about them having an exceedingly growing faith. Well, faith is not going to grow unless there's a test. And guess what? You don't have the word testimony without the word test in it, do you? So the, the test comes before the word testimony, okay? Think about that for a moment. So when we testify to the goodness of God, we talk about not to glorify the situation we were in when the devil was beating on our door, but we glorify God for the victory that he brought us out. And that's where we should major in when we testify to what God did for our life. Not, oh, you know, I spend uh, 20 minutes on how bad it was and then one minute on how the Lord rescued me. No, we want to glorify God. And so there's a right way to give our testimonies before other people. And uh, they should always glorify God, never glorify ourselves, but always point to the Lord Jesus Christ. So here Paul said, is we having the same spirit of faith? And then notice there in verse 13, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. Now notice what he says here. We also believe and therefore speak. You notice that? We also believe. See, believing needs to precede saying or speaking. Now we're talking about the power of saying or the power of speech, speaking. Well, what is our believing based on? Our believing has to be based on what God has already said about something. That's why we find scriptures that promise us the things we're praying about before we pray, not after we pray, but before we pray, before we start making confessions, before we start speaking the word of God over a situation. We take time to meditate in the word of God, and the word meditate simply means to chew the cud like a cow would. A cow has several stomachs, and they, they, uh, they bring it up and chew the cud later. They, they ingest it. It goes into one stomach. They bring it up, regurgitate it, not trying to be sick. Hopefully nobody's eating dinner, but they chew it again, and, and they, uh, the process of digestion begins that goes into uh, a different stomach. So the point is here is we, st- we, we, we chew on the Word of God. We meditate. We think deeply. But meditation, the word meditate means to mutter. It means to speak. 
But you see here what Paul's saying is, is he says, we also believe. So he was taking that Old Testament scripture there in the book of Psalms and bringing it right on over into the new. And that's why I say, you see things in the Old Testament and yeah, we're not under the law. We're under grace, but grace does not erase the precepts that God laid down in the Old Testament. It does not erase that. And so it's still not, well, God's going to cover for me whatever I do because I just don't know. Well, he's given us, if we have a Bible, we should be reading it. And as we're reading it, we need to write, read it and say, Holy Spirit, please open my eyes. Please open the eyes of my understanding so that I can receive all of the fresh manna that you've got for me from this precious word. Because I know, Lord, your word is living, it's powerful, and there's life in the word. And I want to thank you for opening my eyes, enlightening my darkness right now in the name of Jesus. And when we go into it with that type of prayer and that type of humility, saying, Holy Spirit, I'm going to be blind as a bat unless you open it to me. He'll do that. He'll do that. And you will be amazed at what you'll begin to see in the word of God. And you won't read it the same. You won't, you won't look at it the same. You'll, you'll just, you'll, you'll crave it. You know, like the, like the one in the old Testament said, I esteemed your words more than my necessary food. Your words were found and I, they become unto me the joy and the rejoicing of mine heart. And so the word of God, because it's quick and powerful, because it's alive. And as the Lord Jesus said, he said, my words are spirit in their life. So if you start speaking words that are spirit words, you can't see your spirit, your human spirit, the Holy Spirit. But guess what? Just because you can't see it doesn't mean you don't have it. Just because you can't see the air you're breathing, you can feel the effects. We see the we, we say we see the wind blowing. Well, we don't see the wind blowing. We see the effects of the wind blowing, right? So when we're speaking the word of God, we're speaking life. When we're speaking what Jesus said and what He promised himself took my infirmities and bare my sicknesses. You start envisioning yourself as you're speaking the word of God, speaking what God's already said, what he's already provided. And you start seeing that coming to pass in the natural before it's come to pass in the natural. That's the spirit of faith because the spirit of faith sees something and you're not trying to get it. Remember that you have that already, but it has to be developed. And the spirit of faith can be developed and should be developed in every arena of life, of healing, of health, of finances, of the promises of God, of prayer in different areas. I mean, the list goes on and on. Anything that the Bible says that God promised us as Christians, it can be had and should be had, but we need to develop our faith muscles in that area. Just like when you go to the gym, you're not necessarily uh, working out all the muscles in your body, right? You're not working them out. You may work your, your uh, biceps today, working my biceps, right? By this and that. And then and on another way, work my triceps a different way, right? But just because I work one doesn't mean I'm working the other. I could, I could, my legs could be very weak while my upper body's strong. Well, see, the same thing's true from a spiritual standpoint, when it comes to the promises of God, I could be strong in one area, but weaker in another area. So what does that mean? I can just shore it up. 
I can shore it up by what, what, by doing what? By getting into the particular scriptures that I need that covers my case. If I need wisdom from God, then I shouldn't be studying some other Bible subject. I need to focus in on what is before me and what the scriptures say. And, 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 and go through your Bibles. Don't be afraid to mark in them or highlight them or underline in them because you personalize that. But go through and mark all those scriptures, underline them as you're reading them, whether it's healing or prosperity or being led by the Spirit or uh, God being a big God to you and meeting your every need. You go through them and praise God. What you'll find is then when you start reading through, they'll just, as you feed that more and more, that's going to grow on the inside of you. And as you release that, it's going to work effectively in your life. So there's two things that are important receiving faith and releasing faith. We receive faith by hearing what God said and rehearing it. And that's why a lot of times Christians, they'll many times they hear something and oh, I've already heard that. I've already, I, I can quote that scripture. And uh, the devil really sidelines them and sidetracks them from really growing and developed uh, normally in that area because faith doesn't come by heard. Faith comes by hearing and hearing. So don't ever get tired of hearing the same scriptures or feeding on the same scriptures or reading the same passage because they are full of life. They are full of life. Just like it says there in Proverbs 20, uh, Proverbs 4 uh, and verses 20 through 22, they are life to those that find them after we've attended, right? After we've taken hold of them, they're life to those that find them. And that's how you find it. That's how you find out the mysteries of God. That's how you find the greater truths of God's word. So if I'm needing wisdom, yes, I ask according to James chapter one, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally and unbraideth not, right? But what does it go on to say? But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, nothing wavering. So if I'm asking the Lord for wisdom and I believe I got it, then what am I going to do? How am I going to stay in that atmosphere of asking him for wisdom? Am I going to just pray that and just let days go by and not study or look into the word of God with an expectancy of the Holy Spirit opening up the word of God to me? No. Rather, I'm going to go, I'm going to look at that scripture in James 1, and I'm talking about particularly wisdom now. And I'm going to ask the Lord for wisdom, make sure I'm staying in faith, but as I'm believing God for wisdom to know what to do, first of all, we know it's his will to give it, and he wants to give copious measures of it. I mean, you know, look, look at Solomon's life. Solomon was, was so blessed and so prosperous until it was all corrupted by, you know, having all the wives and everything. But beforehand, as you read in the book of Proverbs there, because he wrote uh, most uh, almost the whole entire book of that by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and it was the wisdom of God. But after I look at James, I'm going to go with the book of Proverbs if I'm needing wisdom, and I'm going to start searching that out, and I'm going to start meditating in that, start reading it, start in chapter one, and you, you read there and you start seeing, yeah, out of the Lord's mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Out of his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. And you start reading that, and you're putting yourself into the atmosphere by staying in the faith zone to hear from God. Because as you're ministering to him, you're ministering to yourself, you're getting in that quiet time, 
and you, and you don't have to do it for just hours on end. You start out taking time every day to invest in meditation. Take a scripture or two and just begin to roll that over on the inside of you, especially about something that you're facing in your life or your family's facing. And you start doing that. You're building the word of God on the inside. You're thinking about it. Maybe print it out. Maybe put it on your computer or maybe on the refrigerator or on your door in your house or something like that. But you keep that before the frontlets of your eyes. And what you're doing is, is you're keeping it before you and you're giving the Lord an opportunity to work in a greater degree and dimension to speak to you because you're staying in the realm of spiritual things because your mind is focused on him, because you're staying steady, thinking about God, thinking about, Lord, I, I know you got wisdom. Thank you for giving me wisdom. Thank you. And as you're pondering that pretty soon, all of a sudden, lickety split in an instant, in a moment, you can have a whole picture laid out of what the answer is. And I've done that so many times through the years, brothers and sisters. And there's been times where I haven't done it as I should, and I delayed the answer. And again, this is not by works, but it's by pressing in. Sometimes, remember, we can't leave up to God what he's left up to us. Yes, amen, I make the face confession. I believe I receive wisdom. And I can go on my way, especially if I got to go to work, I've got to go to work and work. But every chance I get, maybe during a, a break or a lunchtime, I'm going to refocus my thoughts onto the Lord and his word, and specifically what I've asked for in prayer, and thanking him in the process, mind you. And he's going to show you what to do. He is faithful to do that. He will tell you. He will bring somebody across your path. He might even bring a young child across your path that will give you the answer. Absolutely the truth. Absolutely the truth. So we don't want to put God in a box and say, God, you're only going to do it this way. God has an unlimited resource of ways that he can get the answer to us one way or the other. But you know what that does, brothers and sisters? It keeps us in an attitude of reverence and humility because he knows everything and we don't. And that's why we just, all we have to do, God's just looking for us to do it his way. And this is what Paul's speaking here in verse 13, first, uh, second Corinthians four is he said, when we having the same spirit of faith, how does the spirit of faith act? How does it work? He says, well, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, present tense, we also believe, we also believe, you also believe. And what do you do as a result of you believing? You speak, you speak. Now, again, I mentioned this last week, but how do you locate what somebody actually believes? How do you locate what you actually believe? What's coming out of your mouth? What's coming out of your mouth? Because our tongue can trip us up. Our tongue can cause us all kinds of problems. God's designed it so that we, as a spirit being made in his image, given the abilities that he brought this universe into being by, and that was by speaking, speaking forth the word, his word. Well, now we're speaking his word. So what's that going to do? That's either going to be creative or destructive. So Paul said here, we having the same spirit of faith, faith, therefore, we also believe and therefore speak. We also believe. So check up on what you're saying. 
if you're not, if you, if you like what you're saying, if it's in line with what God said, great. But if it's not, then you need to make an adjustment or I need to make an adjustment and make sure I'm putting God's word down here and then speaking forth what God's word is, has said about that situation and then thanking him for the answer. Now, if you read down here in verse 16, look what it says here. It says, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. So he's contrasting, comparing and contrasting the inward man to the outward man. And the outward man is decaying. It's getting older. Thank God again that we're going to have our new a new body one day, a glorified body. But yet the inward man, he's talking about the spirit of man, the real you is renewed day by day. It's strengthened every day. Then he goes on to say, verse 17, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Now think about this. Paul called these different things that he was dealing with in verses 8 and 9, we read that a little bit ago, he called that a light affliction. Okay? That was a light affliction. <laughs> Having trouble on every side, that was a light one. Now think about that. <laughs> I wonder what a heavy one was, right? <laughs> but our, he says, for our light affliction is but for a moment. In other words, it's not going to last long. Not going to last long. Worketh for us a far more and exceeding and eternal way to glory. Now look at verse 18. This is where we want to get. While we look not, while we look not at what? At the things which are seen. Now, in the natural, we see stuff. We see, I don't know how many billions of different pictures probably every day with our eyes, our natural eyes. We see. I mean, everywhere we look, we're picking up things in our peripheral vision. So, but we're seeing things in the natural all the time. Well, here he says, while we look not at the things which are seen. Now here he's talking faith. He's talking about how the spirit of faith works. He's talking about how your faith in God will work. And he tells this by describing exactly what we're to look at when we're speaking what we believe, all right? He said, while well, we look not at the things which are seen, well, what do you see? A sick body, a, a, a broken home, a broken relationship, uh, a broken pocketbook, whatever it is, unanswered prayer, what do you see? Well, if you continually look at that and see that as the end, the final. And that it's like, you know, the longer this goes on, the more I'm beginning to believe this is never going to happen. But the more, and you start going down that road and all of a sudden we play right over into the devil's hands and say, well, just because it hasn't happened, it's not going to happen. We, we set, we set like a anchor down at a certain time, many times people do this, they do it even subconsciously and say, well, I haven't seen it yet. You know, I've given God enough time and it hasn't happened. And they throw in the towel. Oh, my brothers and sisters, don't do that. Don't do that. Because the Lord, remember, he's on your side and he will help you. He will be with you in trouble, no matter what the trouble is. When we turn to the ways of God, make the adjustments we need to, 
he's going to be there to help us. But the way he can work his help to the fullest extent and degree is by us cooperating with him, by us being able to move past what we see in the natural and seeing things with the eyes of faith. As I said here uh, the last time or two when we were together, uh, you have to see yourself well before you will become well. You have to see yourself with an answer to prayer before you're going to have an answer to prayer. You have to see yourself with the wisdom of God before you're going to walk in the wisdom of God. You need to see yourself as prosperous with every need met before you're going to walk it out. Now, see, this is, a, this is the way we train ourselves. Why? Because through meditation, constant meditation, continued meditation on the truth. And what does the truth do? It sets us free. It changes our perspective about things. But we, when we set ourselves on that, my brothers and sisters, and stay constant with that and allowing ourselves only to see what we believe, because why? We believe what God said, okay? We believe what he said and believe only what he said, and we're fixated on it. You know, you hear the term sometimes where people say, you know, I'm going to believe that over, you know, over my dead body, or they say, or tell hell freezes over. You hear these different phrases and such, right? Well, what does that mean is, well, I'm stuck on this, and I'm not changing. Well, that's how we have to be in the spirit of faith. That's what we have to do when we're encountering opposition. We have to stay steady, and we have what the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews is an anchor to our soul, because the Word of God anchors us. It anchors our thoughts. It anchors the way that we perceive things, because why? as we're renewing our mind to the Word of God by meditating on it, we're continuously bathing our thinking and our thought life and projecting that outwardly by what we allow ourselves to see spiritually I'm talking about now. We do that on purpose and it's by the spirit of faith. So it's not mind over matter. It's not mind over matter. It's the spirit of God working in cooperation with us out of our heart by words he's already said flowing out of our mouth, working in our lifestyle. And what you see is going to fixate you, the landmarks of where your faith is going to take you. So you see, your faith puts God where he's going to go in your life. Your faith is going to put God in places. So what, where is he at in your life? Where is he working? Is he working in your business? Is he working on your job? Is he working in your home? Is he working on, on, on some of your unsaved loved ones that are not seeing the light? Well, why do we continue praying for people that are not saved? Why do we continue to do that? Especially, you know, we, we love everybody, right? But especially our, our family members, those that most all of us have family members that are not born again yet. Why do we continually pray for them? Because we love them, right? But we, we may be the only ones praying for them, right? But when you pray and you stay in there, you may get no, 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 don't want anything to do with Jesus, but you continue staying in there. I'll tell you what, the Lord's going to continue to work. Because why? 
Well, your prayers don't have a shelf life on it, but you got to keep stay. You got to stay stirred up on on the inside, thanking Him, pressing in in those areas, because the devil will try to stop you from from you remembering about praying for your relatives by standing in the gap for them. But I'll tell you what, that's one of the greatest deceptions that the devil works on every believer, especially those endeavoring to walk in the faith life, walk by faith and not by sight, is that he tries to pull that shenanigan all the time. I mean, he he has no new new tricks. He's been doing this for a long, long time. And what, what he did on other people, he'll try to do on you and me too, and any other Christian, if we don't know better. That's why it goes back to being sober, being vigilant. Your adversary, your opponent walks about as a roaring lion. He didn't say he was a roaring lion, but he said as a roaring lion, seeking whom he made her about. Well, what are you going to do? You're going to resist him steadfast in the faith. We'll get there in just a moment, but I, but I put that out there again. But what are we looking at? Verse 18, while we look not at the things which are seen. Well, you're seeing plenty. You're feeling plenty. You're getting your mind bombarded with thoughts that you ain't going to make it, right? Well, but Paul said here, by the Spirit of God, he said, while we look not at the things that are seen. In other words, don't look at the things that are seen. See past them. See them as changed, okay? And then he says, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal. Praise God. What does the word temporal mean? It means subject to change. Subject to change. And they will change if we stay at it. We do our part. God always is going to do his part. And remember, faith is a law. The book of Romans tells us about the law of faith. And we can see it in other places too. But faith is a spiritual law. Faith in God works. The Lord said, Hebrews eleven six. for without faith, it's impossible to please him. What is faith? Faith is what the Bible tells us in Hebrews 11, 1. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence, the evidence of things not seen. The evidence of things not seen. Why? Because until the manifestation comes, faith undergirds everything. Faith is the tangibility of the answer to prayer until we receive the actual tangible manifestation of something or the answer to prayer, the natural. Our our faith is the substance of that. Well, what is it doing? Is it working for us or is it dormant? I mean, you you can have a heart full of faith, but if you don't release it through the power of saying what God said, it's not going to work for you. It's not going to work for me. It's not going to work for any Christian. Long term, it's not it's not going to happen. That's why it's so important. And I'm not talking in brothers and sisters in a legalistic way. I'm talking about in a very biblical way that God wants us to speak his word. If you look in the Old Testament, okay? Now, the New Testament's law to us as believers, all right? But in the Old Testament, when, for example, like Joshua in Joshua 1.8, after Moses the servant of God had died and, Moses, and Joshua was taking his place and to take the children of Israel across the Jordan into the promised land. Well, what did he say? This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Why? That thou mayest observe to do according to all that's written therein. 
Well, if they're going to do what's all written therein, it's going to be on their tongue too. But see, what meditation is does is it builds the word into you. So you see yourself in that answer to prayer. You see yourself healed. You see yourself with that need met before it ever transpires in the natural. And what do you do? The, the stronger you see yourself in that way, the more thanksgiving you will give God in advance before you actually see it. Because you will, it will become so real to you as you're meditating on the Word of God that it's as real as your, your right arm. It's more real than your right arm. I mean, if they tried to beat it out of you, you'd say, it, it, it's not, it, I'm believing this, and this is so. You'd say, absolutely, it's so. See, that's how real it would, will become to us. But that just doesn't happen. It, it happens as we build the Word of God on the inside of us. So when Paul says here, we look not at the things which are seen, but the things that are not seen. Okay? You're seeing plenty of things wrong, maybe in your life or a situation you're facing. What are you going to do? You're going to talk to it. You're going to talk to it. You're going to look at it. You're going to square your shoulders. You're not going to run and hide. You're going to look at it for what it is, say, in the name of Jesus, devil, I break your power in that area. I claim full provision. I claim every need met in the name of Jesus. And I'm going to speak what I believe, and I believe God's word, because my nature is to believe God, and I've got God's word. And then you you pull up the repertoire in your heart of some different scriptures that you've already put in there because you've got solid ground to make your confession on. It's not just speaking things. It's believing the things that you speak. That's when faith works at its full potential and optimal level. That's what we have to do. And we have to stay with it. And just like we're told there in first Peter five about the, the, the vigilance we have to be, we, we, we have to stay with that. We have to stay seeing the right thing. Now, before we go back to 1 Peter 5 in conclusion, look at this. Verse 18, one more time. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at. Okay? He didn't say the things that are seen are not real, material, and standing right at your doorstep. He's not seen. And that's why it goes back to what I said a few minutes ago. Faith does not call those things that are as though they're not. Faith calls those things that be not as though they were. And that causes to come to pass what should be and what God's will is in our life. So we're not saying those things are not seen because they're not real. We're rather looking at the things that are not seen that are eternal. So what's eternal? God's word. What's eternal? God's promises in his word. What's eternal? God's will about what he wants for your life. And we have to be resolute, my brothers and sisters, in believing that. So we don't look at the things that are seen. We look at the things that are not seen yet. We don't see them yet in the natural. But they're going to line up. Why? Because your words are working for you. Why? Because just like you're releasing invisible words, guess what? They're not just invisible with no tangibility. They may be invisible in the material world, but they have a tangibility in the spirit world. They have a tangibility. In other words, they have life and they create life. They have substance to them. 
Now, these, I'm talking about the words we speak in connection with what God said. So we're saying what he said. We're not saying something outlandish and off the wall. We're saying exactly what he said. It works. It works. Praise God. And you hold fast to that because why? God's eternal word will never change. Now, in conclusion, 1 Peter 5, once again, look at this. 1 Peter 5, and notice when it says here, let's read this whole area again with a fresh insight by the Spirit of God. Be sober. Think right. When we think about our mentality is right. Be vigilant. That means be on the ball. Be paying attention. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. So he's looking for an open door. He's looking for an avenue, right? So if I open the door, I need to close a door. And sometimes the biggest door that a Christian ever learns how to close and the necessity to close it is the door of their mouth by saying the wrong thing. Now, with this being said here, Peter is not glorifying the devil and talking to how this devil's, you know, this, you know, you, you know how big a lion is in the natural. Well, he's 10 times that big. The devil's 10 times. No, he said as a roaring lion. We get the picture of that because we, we, we hear his roar. We don't necessarily see him, right? Well, we feel the effects of the devil and him trying to make inroads into our life or our family, but we can't see him tangibly, but we see the effects of it just like we see the effects of a windstorm, right? Well, what Paul says here, this all goes together. He's seeking whom he may devour, talking about the devil, but in verse 9, whom resists steadfast in the faith? 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 In what faith? In the faith that you got from God, because faith comes from God, from hearing his will. And you steadfastly, resolutely, by the decision of your will, decide that you're going to believe in your heart and say with your mouth on the basis of what God said, and you hold fast to that. And because you know God's perfect track record with always answering prayer and how many times he's come through in your life, you can relax and know that God's got you covered. Praise his mighty name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for all your help. And thank you, Lord, tonight, as we've looked at your word, Father God, we see that there's a steadfastness that come into our life, that we can have a spiritual backbone like a crowbar, so to speak. And that, Father God, in the faith life, because we have the spirit of faith, we can speak life over our situations and hold fast to that because we know the undergirding of that is not just some hope so, maybe so situation, but it's the very words of eternal life, words that'll never change that came from the head of the church, from the Father God, and that heaven and earth would pass away uh, before his word would pass away. And neither one of them are passing away. And we know for sure that your word will never pass away. Lord, we thank you for that tonight. We thank you for helping every one of us to go to a higher level in understanding what the faith life is really like and the power of saying. And for that, we give you glory, honor, and praise in the name of Jesus. Amen.